Welcome to Pocket Economics, a guide to changing lives, our podcast about the ideas shaping the EBRD regions and beyond. The single story creates stereotypes, and the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. They make one story become the only story. That's according to the Nigerian author Chimamanda Adichie. I'm Jonathan Charles, and today we're discussing inclusion and all the many stories and narratives that are inspired by that. Our guest here today to help us is Barbara Rambusek, the EBRD's lead economist focusing on inclusion. And Barbara, it is currently a major theme of ours. Our latest transition report was dedicated to inequality and inclusion. We've just adopted our first ever inclusion strategy. Why such a focus on this? Economic inclusion is a defining topic in the world at the moment, globally, but also within our region, within the EBRD. Inequality of opportunity in this context is particularly important where people see or perceive the unfairness of economic opportunities being open and available to some groups, but not to others. Particularly if we look at um, characteristics and factors that influence whether such opportunities are open to some people that people themselves can't control, such as the gender they're born with, or the place where they were born, or also the socioeconomic environment that they're born into, that could shape the extent to which they have received education, to which they can access the first jobs in the labour market. These factors are perceived as unfair by many people. And this perception of unfairness also influences how people see the transition process overall, how economic opportunities are divided within the population, um, economic opportunities that result from this transition process. And that's an interesting point that you make there, though, which is that there are many different types of inequalities, many different types of exclusion. uh, And that's why there's a focus on this. Absolutely. Um, I think it's the inequality of opportunity that really influences and shapes people's perceptions about the division of of the economic opportunities that are are open to people. And it's that acceptance of reforms and the reform process, and to some extent also the democratic processes. Let's, Let's explore that a bit more. I mean, why are there so many different streams today which are contributing perhaps to a perception of growing inequality? What are those different streams that are really fueling that thought? Well, it's it's about um, access to education, it's about access to employment, it's about ac- access to health care and services more broadly, and the differentials in opportunities that are created as a result of, of that access, um, whether you live in a peripheral region, whether you're born into a well-connected and wealthy family or not, or whether you are born also, frankly, into an ethnic minority group, such as Roma, or whether you're a refugee, has a huge impact on the economic opportunities that, that are open to, to, to a person. And I know when I've been travelling around uh, countries uh, that the EBRD operates in, you know, we hear quite often, don't we, about financial exclusion, uh, where particularly women, for example, in some countries, are, are unable to get uh, hold of financing when they have very good business ideas. That's another form, in a way, of inequality. Absolutely, it is. And we are supporting women to um, build their capacity and understanding of, of how to start up and grow a business and ultimately how to access form of um, finance. Um, but we're also working with um, banks to build their capacity to understand women as a um, rival market segment, um, to, to better understand the risks and, and actually the lower risk that women um, propose as, as a client segment. Um, and then on a policy level to look at what are the policy and regulatory barriers that women face, such as lower access to um, capital and to assets and therefore um, more difficulties to to access formal finance. Because many women in some countries are are not allowed to own assets, technically they're not in their name, are they? Absolutely, and it's also about inheritance laws, for example, where women 
um, are less favoured um, when inheriting from their male family members. One area of inequality, I suppose, which we don't often think about is regional inequality. You know, we, we focus often on gender and many other areas, but uh, it can make a difference where you live in a country, can't it? Absolutely. I mean, as part of um, our inclusion methodology, we actually try to understand what are the areas where um, regional discrepancies are largest in relation to access to employment, in, in relation to access to services or finance, for example, um, to then work with clients to um, increase their regional reach um, in terms of um, making available access to finance, for example, or particular types of services. Of course, we aren't the only development institution looking at inclusion right now. It does seem to be a hot topic in development economics. Absolutely, it is. And I think lots of different institutions look at inclusion in a different way. Um, we focus very much on, on um, inequality of opportunity and factors that inhibit that inequality of opportunity. And in this context, we look at gender, we look at young people, we look at regions, and potentially going forward also at other groups such as refugees, such as people with disabilities or aging populations. Um, inequality and inclusion as such are key topics at the moment because um, they present a huge economic and social challenge um, to our region, but actually globally um, going forward. If we look at um, unemployment levels, if we look at youth unemployment levels, if we look at skills mismatch, challenges that, that our countries face, these are enormous and they can't be tackled by the countries alone, they can't be tackled by the private sector alone. This is um, about partnership and about cooperation. And presumably about political stability as well. I mean, one thinks in countries which are suffering, say, 40% youth unemployment. Mm -hmm. Well, we've seen how much unrest that can spark. Absolutely. Um, this is not just about youth unemployment and, and young people not in education, employment or training. This is about the broader sort of enfranchisement of, of people, young people, women, all population groups, in the transition process, in the reform process, and frankly, in the democratic process overall. And of course, what we're hearing in terms of the globalization debate makes this very interesting right now, because we're hearing time and again, oh, people don't like uh, free trade, or they don't like globalization. That's what's often said, because they don't feel growth is inclusive. Absolutely. Um, I think the challenge that globalization poses globally, but also for our regions are substantial. Um, I think that overall, there is no strong answer yet in terms of how, as a, as a global community, we, we address this challenge. Um, however, we are starting um, with very small steps, very regional and local steps, um, working in partnership with the private sector to, to create better quality local um, education and training opportunities, better higher quality, um, decent work opportunities um, in the public sector, in the private sector, and also to shape the regulatory framework to um, really enhance or equality of, of opportunity for all. And are, are we saying at heart, really, that uh, if growth is to be successful, it has to be for all? I think so, yes, absolutely. I think we as a bank are very clear in, in, in the statement that we make in this con context by um, just looking at the six transition qualities that we um, highlighted and, and developed recently, where inclusive as a quality is one of the key characteristics that we're looking for um, if we want to um, help our countries of operation to transition towards sustainable market economies. You're listening to Pocket Economics, the EBRD podcast on how economic ideas help to change people's lives. And we really want to hear what you think. Contact us at EBRD on Twitter and on Facebook with the hashtag Pocket Economics. I'm Jonathan Charles. Today we're discussing economic inclusion with our guest Barbara Rambusek. And Barbara, how can we promote inclusion then? How can we better engage these underrepresented groups? 
I think the answer has to be um, in relation to um, opportunities, economic opportunities for all. We have to address business challenges that companies face, that the private sector, but also, frankly, um, public sector employers face in terms of recruiting people with the right skills, um, with the right um, talents and motivations, but also to offer the right and, and appropriate career paths and opportunities. Um, at the same time, um, by addressing those business challenges to also um, foster partnerships between the private sector and employers more generally, and education authorities, education providers, to improve um, school-to-work transition for young people, to improve um, dual and modal education provision, um, work-based learning opportunities, and basically to enhance um, the access, the ease of access to, to these opportunities for the population at, at large. And presumably infrastructure comes into this somewhere, because if one thinks, for example, of regions which are excluded from economic growth, there's normally a reason for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Infrastructure plays a key role in connecting people, regions, um, opening up um, access to markets, access to employment, access to healthcare, education. Um, we are now looking at that um, much more closely as part of the economic inclusion strategy that we have launched. Um, and um, to really better understand what are what is the, the scale of economic opportunity that is opening up as a result of improved roads, um, railroads, um, other connect connections. Yeah, and you talk about other connections. Does that mean that technology has some role to play in this? Yes. So particularly mobile banking, um, ICT services um, can really hugely increase the access to um, learning opportunities, online learning opportunities, markets, healthcare, just generally information connectivity, and thereby really enhance the opportunities for people to um, trade, to set up businesses, um, to, do, to remote learn, to remote work. When you look at EBRD countries, the countries we operate in, how do they compare, for example, with Western Europe in terms of inequality and, and exclusion, inclusion? So inequality of opportunity is a key issue across the EBRD region, um, where large sections of, of the population really do not feel that they have the opportunities to access the, the employment, the um, entrepreneurship opportunities, the services and skills that, that would be available. Um, so that is where our region is is different to, to Western Europe. If we look at some of the other um, statistics, particularly in relation to youth unemployment, we do have that in, in both in the West and, and in some of our countries of operation, particularly in the Western Balkans, but also in North Africa. Um, and the, the structural issues that underline that um, do need to be tackled in, in, in both areas. How bigger problem you know is this do you think in a, in a particular time frame I mean it strikes me that there are so many different areas that have to be tackled that it will be quite difficult to make a change over a small period of time you know the, if you're talking about regional exclusion that's that's a multi-year process uh, you can do some micro things much more quickly but in terms of trying to close that gap and we are talking about gaps here aren't we mm -hmm. that's what inequality is about I mean it, it's a massive task absolutely and it will take a long time um, what we are doing as part of our policy engagement is we have multi-year programs um, with annual specific um, targets. So in relation to youth, for example, we're looking particularly at skill standards, na improving national skill standards, improving national level uh, apprenticeship programs, dual learning programs. Um, in relation to gender, the, the challenges are massive because they go beyond the regulatory framework. This is really about uh, social norms and, and perceptions and um, here the changes will have to be very, very gradual um, where we will be working or are working with, with our clients directly to really change perceptions on a very small scale, but then also to lift that to, to policy engagement. Do you think countries can enjoy real long-term growth if they don't get this right? 
I think that would be that will be a huge challenge. I think ultimately getting inclusion right, getting making growth inclusive is the key theme of today and is ultimately the key to unlocking long-term sustainable growth. Barbara, thank you very much indeed. If you're interested in finding out more, you can read about that, of course, uh, inclusion and what we're doing about it on ebrd.com. Meanwhile, share your thoughts with us at EBRD on Twitter and Facebook. Visit iTunes, SoundCloud and ebrd.com slash podcast to download the previous episodes. And remember that reviewing and rating Pocket Economics, well, that helps others to find it. Until next time, goodbye.